What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul Potty. I'm here with my co-host, PD. Say what up. What's up? All right. Today, we're into episode three. This week, we're going to be doing a review of some of the quarterbacks we found to have the best performances of last week. And then we're going to get into a little bit of a preview of next week and talk about some of the quarterback matchups we find interesting moving on into the next week of the season. So let's jump right into the week two review. Uh, Petey, let's get it started. Yeah, so starting off with uh, the performance by Tom Brady against the Saints. Uh, Historically, the Saints have done a great job against Tom Brady because of their sticky man coverage and their ability to rush the passer without blitzing. And that's kind of what happened in this game. More of the same from the Saints. Um, early on, it was really a struggle for the Bucks in, in the first three quarters or so. The first quarter, Brady started out by hitting some intermediate shots, and they were able to move the ball down the field a little bit. Then he fumbled a snap, and that's when it started to get a lot worse. Um, the Saints' man coverage on Mike Evans specifically and the injuries to the Bucks receivers made it really hard for the Bucks to create separation in general. And this is kind of where I see like Brady's only weakness coming into play. Uh, his lack of ability to punish uh, this type of team by running the ball or uh, making scrambles or plays outside the pocket, that's that's the only thing that kind of limits him. And the team like the Saints is able to take advantage of that because of their great man coverage from their corners mainly. Um, regardless, I thought he played okay in this game, largely due to an excellent throw in the corner of the end zone uh, to Brashad Perryman in the fourth quarter that kind of void the team's offense towards the end there and then their defense took over a little bit down the stretch so uh, an update on Brady overall he's been playing okay this season not the greatest I would definitely like to see him improve going forward yeah and another note on that game it was interesting to see the whole Mike Evans Marshawn Lattimore beef develop for another week and I believe they're both suspended next week so I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit with the week three preview. Uh, week three previews, but that's something interesting to look to. Uh, moving on to from that game to probably one of the most interesting matchups of this week, we have the Ravens and Dolphins, and man, was that an amazing game. And I'll start off with Lamar Jackson, the loser of that matchup. Uh, and once again from Lamar, I saw a lot of what I saw earlier in this year, and he's looked like a much improved passer. Especially throughout the game, I saw a lot of him having great touch and precision on his throws. I felt like he was setting up his receivers very well uh, as far as yak yardage goes. He had elite ball placement, in my opinion. I feel like there were very few throws that I thought were bad from him. One one bad throw I saw from him was late in the fourth quarter. He did almost throw a pick six to Xavier Howard that almost cost him the game. Also, I thought a little bit in the fourth quarter, he was trying to do a little bit too much of pushing the ball downfield when he could have just taken what the defense given him. And maybe they could have even come back or kept the lead and won that game. But overall, I thought Lamar was amazing. And, you know, we know from Lamar Jackson, he's going to be an elite rusher. And we saw that once again, that 70-yard rushing touchdown he had was amazing, just right through the teeth of the defense. And just throughout the game, he was elite rusher. But 
as I said earlier, the elite passing is what's caught catching me off guard. I feel like he's fitting every ball into the window it needs to be, and I'm liking a lot of what I see from him. One thing I'd like to see a little bit more is I think this year he's been a really great pocket passer and he's uh, been very poised and seen been seemed much more comfortable than he's been in the past seasons. But what I like to see is him combine his elite rushing ability and passing a newfound passing ability and just become a lot more of a playmaker and just like create more offense when there's nothing there in like the designed offense. And I think if he was to do that, he's going to take his game from what's already elite to something even crazier. And looking at the other side of this matchup, Tua Tagavailoa, someone who's been very, very controversial, you know, go coming into this season. People, many people, including me, did not believe in him. And this game was definitely a show out game for him, probably his best game as a pro. Early on, it didn't start off as good as it ended, as in the first half, he had two throws that were, like, very much, inter- very bad throws that ended up being picked off. One was, he just tried to force the ball to Tyreek Hill and just a terrible interception there. And then the second one was just a deep throw where he just threw it straight into double coverage. So, start of the game, he did have a couple of good throws underneath and whatnot but overall not the best first half but second half we saw him turn up quite a bit a lot of deep plays some some were due to blown coverage I will say but he still was able to deliver the ball relatively on the money and outside of those plays I felt like the offense was setting him up to succeed for sure a lot of short short uh, screens RPOs Stuff that just gets him going and just plays to his strengths. I will say some of the deep big plays we saw were a little bit underthrown, particularly the first touchdown to Tyreek Hill, where I do feel like it could have been intercepted had Marcus Peters turned his head. And I guess that is some, like, you know, worth worth for some concern moving forward because his arm talent is something of question. However, I think... This game, he did show that he does have the potential to be a franchise quarterback if he keeps showing this elite accuracy and precision and just overall anticipation that he's shown. You know, he doesn't have the greatest physical tools, but if he can keep being elite accuracy-wise, setting his receivers up for yak plays like he has and just have the elite anticipation he's shown last week, he can be someone that stays in this league, which a lot of people doubted before this game. And moving on from him to another young quarterback we've seen with a lot of hype around him, Trevor Lawrence. And man, just like Tua, I feel like Trevor Lawrence this week, this was by far his best game as a pro, in my opinion. And just a classic game from him, and he showed that game why why he was the number one overall pick and why he's been one of the biggest, you know, touted prospects in a while. I'd say er, overall throughout the game, he did have a couple of bad passes that he does need to clean up. That we've talked about him in the past having, you know, turnover prone issues. And early in the second quarter, he did throw the ball into double coverage. It ended up being a drop pick, but nonetheless, that's a clear turnover worthy play that he's got to clean up. 
And in addition to that, in the third quarter, he did throw a pass a little bit behind his receiver that was almost picked off by Gilmore, which, again, he's got to clean up on that. But outside of that, man, was he great. I feel like he was great at showing patience and he knew when to take what was underneath. He knew when to push the ball downfield. I feel like one of his best throws of the day was a drop touchdown pass to Agnew late in the first half, and that just showed where how he's got elite accuracy throwing the ball downfield even now. I think he really looked like a pro in this one. He was accurate. He was quick and decisive on his decisions. He was He was still patient. He was able to read the defense at an elite level, which was expected out of him coming into the NFL. And I think he's just overall starting to look like the prospect that uh, he was expected to be. And I hope he continues doing this. Yeah, touching on some of the points that you made there with uh, Lawrence. So actually really interesting game from like the play-by-play or box score standpoint because the plays that weren't captured in the box score end up being the most impactful in my stat sheet. Um, the drop pick that you're talking about, the slightly inaccurate throw, the deep bomb to Jamal Agnew, all those kind of influenced the, my overall grade for him this game uh, a little more than the stuff that happened on the, on the, on the field itself. Um, and then touching on the point that you made with Tua, with the uh, accuracy, all that stuff, I think the, the deep passing, um, I, I don't think the first touchdown to me was much of an issue. Um, I I do think that in the future, when they go up against better and better secondaries and the windows are tighter, that accuracy will be challenged for him. But regardless, uh, putting the ball in a catchable spot for Tyreek Hill, like what is it, like 54, 55 yards down the field, that's kind of a tough expectation. And I think that if you look at like some of Patrick Mahomes' deepest bombs last year, some of them follow the same pattern where it's like, oh, we're expecting Tua to make like this deep bomb throw in stride. Well, Patrick Mahomes wasn't necessarily doing that himself. So I don't think that it might would be much of an issue if Tua didn't have this prior of, you know, having a weak arm or whatever the discussion is right now. Um, and then touching on your thought with Lamar. Yeah, I do agree that the Xavier Howard uh, drop pick six would have been a game changer. And then one thing that you didn't touch on that I wanted to hit, hit on is that the goal line fumble um, from Lamar was an impactful play. And I think that if they score there, the game might be over right there because of the way that the game was going, the momentum totally on the side of the Ravens. So just, just little things that Lamar has to work on to like fully cement himself as an MVP candidate this year. But regardless, I, I like the steps that he's showing on the most positive plays. Um, moving on to the afternoon slate and the primetime games as well. Uh, we have Kyler Murray, who I wanted to talk about this week. Um, a, a pretty slow start, a pretty poor first half, if I'm being honest, for Kyler Murray. Um, th- he threw a pick where he was a little late uh, pushing it down the sideline. They had a wheel route uh, to Marquise Brown, I think it was. Um, and he was trying to throw it as a, as a whole shot. But as he came up to kind of threaten the line of scrimmage, the defender didn't really um, come up and... Meek Robertson um, made the play on the ball. Um, if he had tried to run, I don't think he would have got the first down either. It's just that he took a few extra steps and it, it resulted in him being intercepted. But then we move on to the second half and oh my goodness, was he making plays all over the place. Um, 
he was making plays with his legs, with his arm. Um, just just an incredible display of playmaking that I, I personally haven't seen that kind of playmaking from a quarterback of that size since Russell Wilson's uh, MVP caliber season in 2019. Um, I was thoroughly impressed with his ability to generate first down after first down with his legs and his arm. Uh, a, a couple plays that I wanted to point out in particular um, were, of course, the, the scramble for the touchdown and the scramble for the two-point conversion. Um, those are highlights that you've probably already seen on social media. But the two-point conversion to A.J. Green, where he kind, of, he kind of drifts back and then fires the ball over a defender and right into A.J. Green's arms in a tight window, that was just, that was just an incredible play to me. Um, a game-saving play in the moment. And then the other one that I wanted to point out was a little bit of like one that wasn't really talked about, but it, it kind of illustrated his, uh, his ball placement to me really well. Um, he had Marquise Brown on a slant route, and Marquise Brown gets one step, uh, but Kyler puts it so much on the money that Marquise Brown generates like 10, 15 to catch on kind of sets uh, them for a scoring drive. So plays like that from him um, are kind of what I'm looking at right now. He's back in this kind of Pro Bowl conversation for this year after this performance. A little bit of a slow start in week one. He's right back in that conversation to me now. Um, overall, excellent performance from him. And I'm I'm, hope, ho- I'm hoping moving forward looks a little bit more like the second half than the first half of this game. I do think that the Cardinals are a little too reliant on him to go out there and make stuff happen on the fly. Um, but I also think that tough to scheme up an offense for them when Marquise Brown isn't living up to the first round and whatever they got back that they gave up for him. And their next best playmakers are guys like Greg Dortch or Zach Ertz and A.J. Green who are pressing, in my opinion. And yeah, it is a bit of a rough. Very, very rough situation for Kyler. And another thing I'd like to talk about, Kyler, I feel like the last few years or, or the last year or so, We've, so we saw him a little bit take a bit of a step down as far as a rusher. But I feel like this game, I was thoroughly impressed by his ability, like his electric ability to just run around and just create plays, as PD touched on. his The playmaking we saw in that second half was something that you haven't seen in years. And that was something that thoroughly impressed me. Like I did not expect at all to see Kyler especially on plays like that two-point conversion that took 21 seconds where he just essentially ran around and then just waltzed into the end zone. I feel like that's something that I've never, almost never seen in the league, and I was thoroughly impressed by seeing those things. And just another thing that PD touched on with the overall Cardinals offense, I feel like pretty much every other position group on that offense other than Kyler Murray has been very subpar, as he said. I mean, their offensive line's not really blocking for him. With Connor going out last week, you know, his running back room, which was already weak, was even weaker. And with D-Hop out, Rondale Moore's been out. It's been tough for him. But he's despite that, he's been dragging this team on his back, especially last week. And... You know, I'm hoping they get him a little bit more help because I think this is a recipe for a disaster long-term for the Cardinals. But it does sure make Kyler look very good. And moving on from that afternoon slate of games to Sunday night game, 
we're looking at Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers, honestly, you know, this was a vintage Aaron Rodgers game, I'd say. If, if you even want to call it with vintage, he is a back-to-back MVP. But week one, we did see a much different Aaron Rodgers in a completely new environment, being with, you know, a bunch of different receivers and, you know, facing a tough defense. And I felt like he definitely struggled a bit, which we talked about last week. And then this week, you know, it was a complete turnaround. You know, I feel like he had almost no bad plays. The only thing I could think of is, you know, on his very first drive, you know, he took a sack that I might not have liked him to take, as well as there was a fumble in the third quarter, which could have been A.J. Dillon's fault. There was certainly some sort of miscommunication on that handoff that caused the fumble, which, you know, plays like those could cost the game. And if that was Rodgers' fault, you know, that's something that he's definitely got to clean up. But overall, I think this was a very elite game for Aaron Rodgers. I feel like I saw some of old Aaron Rodgers where he was moving around a lot in the pocket and getting out of the pocket and, you know, playmaking and putting trust in his receivers to just get open once he got out of the pocket, which is something, you know, we hadn't seen as much in the last last, last few years where Rodgers has gotten a little bit less mobile, but that's something Rodgers has been like elite in throughout his whole career. And I love seeing that a lot, that game. As well as another thing I like to see was the fact that he spread the ball quite a bit to all of his receivers and running backs this game. I feel like the past few years with Devontae Adams' emergence, he leaned a lot on him. And when, you know, when it wasn't going to Adams, he might have struggled a little bit here and there. But this game, we saw a lot more of Aaron Rodgers just being able to throw the ball to anybody. Almost everyone on that offense was contributing and it made it very difficult for the Bears defense to, you know, predict predict what was coming and, you know, stop that. So, and one one throw that I really liked from Rodgers this game was that great throw to Sammy Watkins when they were deep in their own territory late in the fourth quarter that fully put away a game that was probably already put away at that point. But I thought that throw really exemplified his performance that game. It was elite precision, elite accuracy. You know, stuff we expect out of Rodgers, which we didn't see earlier in the season. I will say, though, it is the Bears. You know, they're projected to be one of the worst teams overall in defenses in the league. So he did do this to, you know, not a not a great defense, as well as Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon helped a lot in the run game, especially Aaron Jones came in with an amazing game. But Still, Aaron Rodgers delivered pretty much all his passes on the money. I I don't even think I could think of one, which I'd say was wildly inaccurate. So, you know, great game from Aaron Rodgers here. Yeah, I totally agree with uh, most of the points that you made there. I want to kind of take a point there that you you made and spin it off a little bit. Um, Rodgers kind of – Rodgers – has kind of been reliant on singular dominant receiver. You've seen this with Jordy Nelson, Dante Adams, and I'm kind of interested to see how the season progresses in terms of that. So kind of trust his receivers more uh, going forward, or will it look a little bit messy like it did in week one? Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, it is the Bears. So his receivers were able to create a lot of separation this week compared to, you know, better defenses potentially. So I'm also interested to see how he's able to deal with having, you know, a bunch of probably 
mid receivers rather than one elite one and then a bunch of other guys that he's had in the past, as PD mentioned. All right. Moving on to our final set of games, we have Titans and the Eagles against the Vikings. Starting off here with Josh Allen, and Josh Allen continues to be my pick for MVP. Just an incredible performance once again. Uh, week, I would say, but the continuation of improved accuracy and anticipation on throws to the intermediate and short levels are kind of really powering his ability to be MVP right now, in my opinion. Um, a couple of deep bombs as well, uh, typical of Josh Allen. And, of course, the rushing uh, explosive plays on the ground. Uh, you also expect that out of Josh Allen. But really cementing himself as the best quarterback in the league so far this season. And I really don't see any reason why he shouldn't win the MVP at this pace because the Bills look like they're dominant as well. Yeah, just moving yeah, forward. on that, moving forward. you know, the Bills have looked really impressive. They've steamrolled their opponents two weeks in a row. You know, and both teams, I feel like, aren't particularly bad teams in the NFL. Both very average teams, I think, gonna, that are going to be average teams this season. And the Bills have absolutely steamrolled them. Looks like no one can stop that offense. That Allen and Diggs connection has looked you know, absolutely elite. And even that defense has been extremely stingy. Hasn't been giving up anything. So... Now, Bills are looking very scary. Definitely favorites to win it all this year. Yeah, um, moving on to the game we're going to talk for week two. We have Jalen Hurts going up against the Minnesota Vikings. And I think Jalen Hurts was spectacular. In the-, the Vikings kind of didn't have a plan defense, I think. Their- when they played zone, it was not – their defenders stayed disciplined, I think. and or A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, or Quez Watkins even, or Dallas, for that matter. Um, really like a dominant performance from the Eagles' offense overall, but Jalen Hurts, just a great display of accuracy, anticipation, throwing in the middle of the field. He looks a lot better with A.J. Brown coming over now. He looks a lot better in terms of processing speed as well, um, ball placement. It's just one thing after another with Jalen hurts so far this year and i really wanted to point out the the amount of votes that he made to the intermediate level of the field um incredible incredible amount of throws in that and it it's it's quite difficult to do that with um the the we're playing defense but what they were open whether it was a type uh, whether they were wide open he was on the money right for yards after catch and that's just something that we haven't seen from Hertz uh, so far in his career. So a really, really big, big time development this week. Um, we'll see where it goes moving forward. And I think as the year goes on, to on one, interesting to see what happens. But so far, a great start for Jalen Hurts, and he's also in the MVP candidacy. Yeah, and one last note on that game is, you know, on the flip side, we weren't going to talk about him, but I would like to say Kirk Cousins once again disappointed in prime time. And I don't want to go off a whole lot on him because, you know, he definitely had one of his weaker performances and I'm sure he'll he'll bounce back. But I've got to say that I need to see a lot more out of Kirk in these big time games. Whether at the end of the day they are worth the same as 
uh, you know, any other game, but because they're nationally televised, it adds a lot of emphasis because that's what people use to make opinions on him moving forward. A lot of people aren't watching Minnesota Vikings games at 10 a.m. So, you know, to, in order to be in that elite category, I we need to see a lot more out of those games and, you know, p- p- playoff games as well. It's just something Kirk's got to work on, and we saw it once again this weekend. You know, I just wanted to touch on yeah. that. Um, moving on to the next part of this episode, we're going to preview some quarterbacks for week three. Uh, I'm going to start it off with Matt Ryan. Um, Ryan had a season that's been really, really tough to plays. It looks like his process is dropped off as well as his athleticism affecting the other in a sense. Um, I think that the Chiefs He's going to be expected to put because the Chiefs just moved the ball. So um, I would expect that Ryan kind of improves going forward. I mean, I would hope so. Um, it hasn't really looked good at all. But the real thing that I want to focus on is how the Chiefs uh, handle the Colts receivers potentially without my in again. I just want to see how Matt Ryan advantage of any uh, mismatches you might have. Um, I want to see how the Colts play when they have a disadvantage because really for me, Matt Ryan's processing is declining as we go uh, deeper and deeper. That's difficult to win with with a quarterback like that, especially since Matt Ryan is a great athlete. And so, yeah, look for this one to be uh, one of the for Matt Ryan to put himself back into a good quarterback conversation. Yeah, and touching on Ryan is the Colts have not looked good whatsoever, and Matt Ryan is a big reason why. He was supposed to be that upgrade that took from Carson Wentz that took them to the next level of being a playoff caliber team. So, you know, the Chiefs are going to be a tough matchup for sure and probably a loss, but I would like to see him and the offense get going a little bit you know, so that this they can still salvage this season, which has been tough so far. Uh, moving on from that matchup to Raiders and Titans. Raiders coming off a loss, a heartbreaking loss to the Cardinals where they had every opportunity to win and absolutely choked it. And a big reason why is Derek Carr. Derek Carr, in my opinion, has still not played a complete game yet. I feel like he was pretty bad in the first half of the Chargers game, you know, kind of put something together in that second half, but it still wasn't enough. He still made mistakes that made it overall not a great performance. And then looking at the Cardinals game last week, you know, he was looking good in that first half, didn't make too many mistakes, and then came in that second half and absolutely stunk up and was terrible once again. So oh, that's something I got to see, a complete game from Derek Carr. Because the Titans, so far this season, have got steamrolled from the Bill, by the Bills' offense and have given up, gave up a good amount of points to a Giants' offense who don't look anything insane so far. So the Titans', offense, the Titans defense certainly isn't something to be worried about. And this is definitely Derek Carr's moment to you know, take that step and show he can play a complete game with the new weapons and new offense that he has. The I definitely don't think Titans secondary can 
hold guys like Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. So I feel like he's going to have a lot of separation and he's got to be able to capitalize on the situation. You know, this has definitely been a down year for Derek Carr accuracy-wise as well. That's something, in my opinion, that's been his strength, you know, overall throughout his career. He does have his turnover-worthy plays, but when he does get the ball to his teammates, it's usually pretty accurate. And this year, I feel like he's fallen off quite a bit in that category. And you can see it even in his completion percentage. Usually when it's small percentages, it's down to stuff like drops or just unluckiness. But if you compare his this year completion percentages to years prior, it's been a significant drop. And I do think that is because of his inability to put the ball in the right places. And that's one thing I'm really looking to with Derek Carr this week, just, you know, improving overall. Yeah. Um, a couple points I wanted to there. I think his decision-making in terms of aggression and passiveness, something that we've touched on uh, preseason. And I think so far this season, he hasn't been able to control it very well. Um, a little over-aggressive for most for the most of the first game and then the second game like a little too passive in the second half not really much happening uh, at all um moving on to which is patriots and I wanted to talk about uh, mac jones here. uh he led the patriots to a win i guess but the the way that the game went he threw horrible interceptable pass uh, that probably should have put the steelers in in that game, but it was dropped. Um, so, kind of struggling with the decision making for Mac Jones as well. Uh, the receivers in New England certainly nothing to nothing to look forward to. Uh, but I him kind of improved his ability to put the ball in, making sure that his hands really. Uh, he's done a good job of other other errors that would be his fault, but just pushing the ball down the field while making sure to avoid those turnovers is kind of something he can work on right now at this point. Yeah, and one thing I'd like to touch on with Tua, I mean with Mac Jones, is you know, being someone with not elite athleticism, not great arm talent, the way he's going to be able to succeed in this league is having elite precision and accuracy, elite anticipation, dominating that short mid-range pass game. And that's something we saw a decent bit last year, which we have not seen at all this year. And moving forward, you know, Mac Jones is currently proving a lot of his doubters wrong with not doing that. But, you know, moving forward, we need to see him be elite in those categories that he can control. If he wants to become a good starter in this league because he can't rely on, you know, a great arm talent to create big plays that we see from maybe other quarterbacks who aren't necessarily as accurate. That's something Mac needs to be great at, and he's got to work on that moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving on to matchup, which is Joe Burrow and the Bengals going up against the Jets. Uh, I think this is a great get-right spot for the Bengals, but I did think that last week going against the Cowboys. So I really just want to see if he's able to either avoid sacks or how the Bengals offensive line actually show up for one. Um, I think that the lack of pass protection so far 
has been compounded by Joe Burrow, but his offensive line certainly isn't helping him, and it's not totally on him. Um, this week against Jets, blocking Quinn and Williams and the rest of those guys, it might be a little bit of a struggle, but certainly not to the level that T.J. and Micah Parsons, three potentially future all-time greats, um, might pos- might pose angles. So if Joe Burrow gets some time to be protected, feel comfortable in the I think it should be a good game for him. His accuracy this year has looked pretty similar. It's just the issues with taking sacks and forcing the ball a little bit too much behind a much worse supporting cast uh, this year. So looking to see him get right and return to the playmaker that he was last year. I think we're seeing a lot of what Joe Burrow this year we've seen with other quarterbacks in the past, particularly like Patrick Mahomes last year, where if you don't put the best offensive line in front of them, you know, their accuracy ends up wavering a little bit. They try to do a bit too much. And I think that's what we're seeing out of Joe Burrow this year. I know I'm sure people are sick and tired of hearing how bad his O-line is. We heard it all last year, but it certainly is the case. Without having, you know, even decent blocking in front of you, it's incredibly difficult to be as accurate as Joe Burrow was. He managed to do it last year, but it's not a recipe for success. And the Jets, albeit have been better pass rushers than expected coming into the season, still probably not even top half in the league. So I'm hoping to see that Bengals offensive line do better. And as a result, I want Joe Burrow to take opportunity of a weaker team and succeed in this matchup. Moving on to another quarterback in that Joe Burrow draft class, Justin Herbert. And though this is not in his control whatsoever, one thing I'm really looking to with Justin Herbert this week is has he recovered from that rib injury or whatever it was that he suffered against the Chiefs we saw late in that game he came back and delivered a couple of I mean absolutely phenomenal throws even better than you know your average Justin Herbert throw to continue that game but overall he was pretty inaccurate and just not the Justin Herbert we saw in the first one and three quarters games so far this season so one thing I'm really looking to is seeing Justin Herbert get healthy. He's getting his top target back in Keenan Keenan Allen, so I hope he's back healthy. But more importantly, uh, something that is in his control and something I feel like Justin Herbert has struggled with a little bit, you know, the past few years in his career is I feel like teams like the Jaguars we've seen in years prior where they aren't the best teams or the best defenses coming against Herbert, but I feel like sometimes Herbert falls to his competition and doesn't play as well as he would against a good defense against these teams and just simply doesn't put these teams away. The Jaguars, though they have a lot of upside on that defense, in particular Trayvon Walker, who everyone clowned on the Jaguars for drafting number one overall, including me, has looked pretty phenomenal. But overall, the Jaguars defense as a unit still isn't the best in my opinion. They did shut out the Colts last week, so maybe maybe that is changing. But overall, I do think this Chargers offense should dominate the Jaguars this week. And I'm hoping to see Justin Herbert just put away a bad team because that's what's going to take him to that Hall of Fame status. Quarterbacks with his talent 
when they face these teams, they need to be able to just dominate them and show why they're the elite the way they are and not give reasons for people to complain. You know, a big like complaint about his play last year was how much he struggled against a bad Texans defense late in the season that ultimately was a big reason they didn't make the playoffs. And not that I'm blaming that season on Herbert at all, but it's games like that he's got to clean up, and that's what I'm looking to in this one. And moving on from that game, though, probably what I think is the game of the week this week going into week three is Buccaneers and Packers. Firstly, I'd like to talk about Tom Brady. Brady, as you know, PD mentioned in his review, has looked... You know, not vintage Brady, which, you know, is expected out of a 45-year-old, but still hasn't looked bad either. And one thing I'm looking to this week is, obviously, at his age and him already not being the best athlete, you know, elite pass rushers, he always struggles more versus them. And the Packers have definitely been an elite pass rushing team this season so far. And that's something I'm looking towards. Will... Brady be able to get the ball out of his hands quick and, you know, kill the Packers defense or will he still struggle once again? Like he has, you know, this past few years in his old age with, you know, these elite pass rushing teams. Another thing I'm looking to is obviously, as I mentioned earlier with the Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore beef, Mike Evans is suspended this week. And I don't even know if Godwin's going to be healthy. Even if he is going to come back, he's not going to be, 100% I believe so and Julio Jones has been dealing with injuries overall Brady's help and supporting cast on in this week is going to be much worse against a secondary that's pretty good in the Packers so another thing I'm going to look towards is will Brady be able to put the balls in put the football in elite places in order to get his receivers the ball even though they will may not have the best separation and still be able to move that offense. I think the Packers do a great job of taking away the big play, so will Brady be able to just dink and dunk and get the ball downfield and win his team this game? And moving on to the other side of the ball, Aaron Rodgers, who looked like, you know, the old Aaron Rodgers, as I mentioned earlier. But this week, he won't be playing the Bears, you know, a team he's dominated for over a decade now. He'll be playing a much better defense in the Bucks, and you know with his receiving core not being the best you know he's gonna have to face these teams where and have these games where he's gonna be the one who just needs to put the ball in the right position and give his players the opportunity to succeed and I hope to see once again him just spreading the ball a lot and getting all his pass catchers the ball and putting them in positions to do well, as well as, you know, the Bucks also have an elite pass rush, and I want to see him do a lot of what he did last week with getting out of the pocket or moving around and, you know, just getting the ball in the hands of his playmakers, getting the ball in open space, finding his teammates, and I think this is going to be an absolutely great matchup from both sides. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring matchup particularly, I don't think Brady and Rodgers, either of them, are going to put up crazy highlight plays in this game with the people around him. But still, this is going to be very interesting to watch. Probably 
potentially our last time to ever watch Brady versus Rodgers. You know, two of the greatest quarterbacks our league has ever seen with this baby maybe being Brady's last season in the league. You know, we never know with him, but this could be the last time they face each other. So I'm really excited to see it. I think it's going to be one that people will definitely look back at. Yeah, for sure. For a bunch of the points that you said. Um, I wanted to touch on uh, one thing that you said with the low score. I think that um, in the past, um, there's kind of a, a high variance with uh, low level of receiver play with these two. Um, you can look at games like last week against the Bears, or you can look at something like the Bucks game versus the Jets last year, where those these two quarterbacks have played really, really high-level games with poor receiver play. And I think it just takes the secondary for these teams to give up a really explosive play or a bunch of explosive plays um, that power high high-level offensive day for either one of them. Uh, moving on to the final preview of the week, we have Russell Wilson. And as someone who's loved watching Russell Wilson these past few years as he's been in his prime, uh, it has been good so far. He like he's struggling with his decision-making, uh, specifically in terms of how aggressive or how passive he must be. Uh, it's just It just looks way too aggressive for him right now in terms of pushing the ball into tight wide open in the middle of the field, which is a problem for him in the past. It looks even worse now that he doesn't have great chemistry with these receivers so far. I'm really, really concerned for Wilson. Um, I think that this situation doesn't really suit him well so far. Um, the fact that he kind of is into tight or covered receivers, and it can highlight plays like we saw uh, down, but really to quarterback in this offense, I think he needs to be to him, or I think the receivers need to create separation on the outside so that he doesn't have to be forced to throw in the middle of the field because that's an area of weakness. Uh, I don't know if this is the week for that against a very strong Niners defense. However, um, I don't believe that the Niners secondary can hold up very well against the great tandem of Judy and Sutton. So there is potential here for a get-right game, but I'm not going into any week expecting Russ to play extremely well. Yeah, as a Niners fan, for years I've seen Russell Wilson, you know, absolutely torch our defense, you know, using his crazy playmaking ability. He'd just scramble all around our D-linemen and just happen to find Tyler Lockett deep downfield or, you know, something of that nature. He's done it for years. But that's something we have not really seen out of Russell Wilson this year, I feel like. And I think that's what makes Russell Wilson special. That's what makes him great. And I think this year we've seen a lot more of him, you know, taking sacks, not being able to get out of the pocket. I don't know whether that's, you know, his age catching up to him or, you know, him just wanting to play a little bit different at this point in his career. But whatever it is, you know, I want to see a bit more pocket presence from him and just ability to extend the play and not take the bad sacks he has in previous weeks. And this is a perfect test for that because the Niners' defensive line has been absolutely elite and nothing short of it this year. 
And I think he's going to face a ton of pressure this week. And I think this will be very telling if we're just going to get another week of Russell Wilson just taking sacks and not being able to do as well under the pressure as he has in years prior. Or will he, you know, do what he's known to do and find his receivers? Another thing he struggled with overall, which Petey touched on a little bit, but I think his accuracy overall has dropped this year a lot. Last week, he didn't even complete as many passes as he did throw that were incomplete. I think this year, the Niners secondary has been quite a bit better than people expected. Hufanga has exploded and looked like an absolute superstar this year. You know, Ward and Mosley have done their job. Even Odom, who is supposed to be, you know, probably the weak spot in the secondary is for what it's worth, ranked fourth among all safeties on PFF right now, has also been playing very well. So this is going to be a very challenging game for his receiving core, who is also pretty good. And i like to see how that, you know, wide receiver group versus secondary group matches up and how will Russell Wilson be able to get them the ball. Another thing he struggled quite a bit is converting on third down this year. I think he was only had three, he was like three for 12 last week on third down conversions, you know, wasn't the best and going up against an elite defense and overall pretty good team with the Niners, you know, in order for the Broncos to win these games, the Russell Wilson's going to have to be good on third down. So that's another thing I'm looking to this week. Will he be able to deliver when he needs to? Uh, agree with all the points that I think that the one thing that you said there that was really important was the ball placement. And in the past, kind of had pretty elite ball placement when you adjust for depth uh, of target. But this year, not really the same. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Well, with that being said, that wraps up our third episode of this show. You know, we'll be back next week with another week of previewing what we thought was the best perf- quarterback performances of the week three and just a little look into week four. If you're still here at this point, thank you for supporting the podcast. We'd love for you to like, subscribe, or, you know, what with whatever p- platform you're listening to, just support. And with that, we're out. Peace. Thank you.